Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I miss you, man. I miss you, man. We miss you, Julian, our favorite guest ever. <laughs> I've missed you guys too. <laughs> I miss you, I miss you, man, do I miss you, I miss you, man, I miss you, I miss you, man, do I miss you. Welcome everyone to the podcast called I Miss You, Man. My name is Lonnie. I'm here with Dylan as always. How you doing, Dylan? Oh, friggin' fantastic, mate. Couldn't be better. You? Yeah, man, pretty good. I'm ready to talk about some young Indiana Jones. Well, what we talk, do we normally talk about on this podcast? It's not always Indiana Jones content, is it? No, but Monty, it could be about anything because we take each other on a journey each week. Could be about pop culture, life, history, everything in between, mate. Everything's well, on the table. And Indiana Jones does cover a fair bit of of those um things. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. The other voice you heard earlier in the intro was that of Julian Barr, creative writer, historian. Indiana Jones expert and one of our very best guests ever. Welcome back to the I Miss You Men Studios, Julian. How are you doing? Oh, shucks. Thanks, Lonnie. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, pretty good, thanks. That's amazing. Now, we, we get guests from time to time. We do a bit more back in early days, and we're going to get back into that um, soon, hopefully. Normally, we've sort of got an idea for an episode, and we, we find the right guest, or we say to a guest, hey, we love you. Come on, talk about whatever you want. But this one was a Julian-generated episode. You came to us with a topic, and you demanded it, and we said, yes, that sounds great, we'll do it. Yeah, um, in a lot of ways, I think that um, what we're talking about, the topic for this episode is the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, and uh, to me, it seemed like quite a natural follow-on from uh, the episode that we did on after-school specials, um, a bit of edutainment. Uh, especially in the lead up to the new indie movie coming out at the end of the month. And uh, yeah, I thought we'd maybe get together and reminisce and dissect the real Indiana Jones that everyone's nostalgic for. Yeah, uh, nice. The well, Young well, Indie Chronicles, yes. Well, you've picked a good topic because this is you know, one of our favourite film franchises. Um, and it's very timely. Obviously, that's what got us thinking about it. And as, as we do on this podcast, we try and find those sort of curios in pop culture and, and go back and have a look at them. As you said, the um, the whole field of after-school specials was on the table last time. Looking back at the history of Indiana Jones, look, we obviously there's the four movies and soon to be five movies. Three. Uh, three movies. Oh, uh, okay. We'll get into that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. The, the silver screen is not the only place he's ever been, though, with this, with this famous archaeologist. Um, there's been a few video games, including some Lego video games. You know you've made it then, haven't you, when you've got a Lego video game. Um, there's some books, which I haven't I've been across myself. I don't know if you have, Julian. Also, some comics, and obviously this TV show. So where does uh, Indiana Jones come in your, your life 
Julie, what, what's your journey with Indiana Jones? Um, I think I first watched Raiders of the Lost Ark when I was 14 and I was quite ill at the time and uh, rented Raiders of the Lost Ark um, and popped it on because I'd heard it was a great movie and I was not disappointed. Um, I was absolutely enthralled all the way through. Um, and uh, as far as I was concerned, that was it. It was the perfect movie. No need to make any more now. Uh, and uh, But um, then I watched Temple of Doom, and for the first 20 minutes or so, I was absolutely enthralled. Wow, this really is the perfect movie. And then they get to India, and suddenly it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, love, the, love the third movie. Um, I think that... Um, I, it cops a bit of flack, uh, but um, I just love Sean Connery, and I thought that was the perfect ending for the series, and then it kept going. Um, and uh, then we've got the fourth film, um, and that was, well, I can suddenly understand how the people who don't like the Star Wars prequels feel. Because... Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but um, around that time, they also Lucasfilm also released the Young Indiana Young Indiana Jones Chronicles on DVD for the first time, and uh, I watched them and I popped it into the DVD player and I fully expected to be taken on an adventure with Young Indiana Jones, um, and some episodes are fabulous and some are I don't know how to describe them. Oh, that's really interesting that you you didn't have much of that background of the of the edutainment angle when you w watched it for the first time. Is that right? Yeah. So the Young Indie Chronicles uh, they show first aired in nineteen ninety two on ABC, uh, same network behind the after school specials that we looked at previously. They really were the kings of this stuff. Uh, it's an edutainment series, like you said. Um, follows. Indiana Jones from the age of 9 to 22 as he travels the world and runs into just about every major historical figure of the early 20th century, like Lawrence of Arabia, Teddy Roosevelt, Lenin, Edith Wharton, Princess Sophie of Hohenberg, among others. The idea was to give kids an adventurous taste of world history and kind of the development of ideas. But I'm, I'm interested to hear you guys, your stories about sort of your your journey with the indie franchise. Yeah, that's good. It's a good little taste of what we're getting into because we've looked at three episodes um, from the Chronicles and we're going to go into a big, deep, deep dive into them soon. Um, I've got the mic. So, Dylan, you can be quiet for a moment. Oh, fine, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm very basic when it comes to Indiana Jones in my rankings. I think the first one, you know, perfect movie. Um, I've really got a soft spot for the third. I think it's quite good as well. Um Temple of Doom, I don't know if this is true of other people's families, but that one scared my brother so much when he was young that I was never able to watch it myself. So I was an oh, adult yeah. when I watched that for the first time. Um, and I, I'm with you, Julian. It, it starts off so well and then um, gets into some really weird stuff. But also probably some of the best stuff, you know, some of the best set pieces and, and whatnot. But mm. it, it, it leaves a weird taste in the mouth, that movie. Um, and the fourth one, I saw it in the cinemas when it came out. And 
I mean, I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it as much as everyone else um, seems to. It's one of those, those strange ones. Again, it's got some good stuff in it. So, but yeah, also, it's funny how you said you, you rented it. This was one of those film series that we, we rented a lot from Video Easy. It was not something that we owned, and I, I've, I own it now on, on Blu-ray, but growing up, this was this and the Batman films and a few other series were ones that would, you know, more than a few times would come back from Video Easy with that on a weekly, watch it a few times. Um, oh gosh, I miss Video Easy. No, no, different, different era. It's a little special. Uh, and it's probably just nostalgia. You have, no, <laughs> you have no idea how lit that place was on a Friday night. Yeah. Well, it's the place to be. <laughs> yeah. Now, that Dylan, they're, you're, a, you're a movie buff. You're a pop culture buff. Some things have passed oh, you sure. by, but Indiana Jones is not. You're a lover, aren't you? Yeah, mate. There's was, was a period in my life, probably in early high school years, I was quite into it. Used to watch them over and over again, the first three, and then Last Crusade's the best one, by the way, boys. So Ooh. Just talking about. Yeah. It's quite I special. I hear that. Yeah. Uh, mate, I think, honestly, probably Harrison Ford and Sean Connery have some of the most perfect chemistry ever. Mm. On the Spot on. Film. I'm glad they didn't do any other films together because they would have ruined it. This makes it really special. It's kind of a moment in time, those two. It is, you know, the whole thing about Spielberg wanted to do a Bond but couldn't get the rights and so he made his own action franchise and then he got Bond to be to be in there as the father figure for the troubled relationship. That's, yeah, the yeah, stars aligned. And, uh, yeah, and apparently not the last time a Bond would dip into the Indiana Jones franchise, as we'll see. Well, as we'll see, yes. Indeed, yes. Um, I like Temple of Dome. You know, it's pretty good. As Lonnie said, it's got great set pieces. Um, I, again, I'm kind of with you, Lonnie. Crystal Skull, it's okay. It's got its moments that I don't mind. I don't know why George Lucas pushed so hard for aliens, though. That was... Come on, man. <laughs> I, um, I remember watching an interview with Stan Winston and uh, him just saying he didn't understand why his character kept changing sides and the only explanation that he could come up with was that he just... He was just a character who just liked lying. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Was just a Love lying. Habitual... <laughs> Yeah, habitual liar. It was his hobby. <laughs> oh, how weird. So, but what is it that that draws you to these characters and, and makes you love the, the franchise so much, Dylan? What is it about Indiana Jones? I don't know. He's kind of along the lines of um, he's a vulnerable action hero. Mm. Like he takes hits. He's a very human character. I think that's probably the appeal of a lot of the good action heroes. Like. They have to get the shit kicked out of them sometimes. Absolutely. My, my, my dad talks about like Steven Seagal would go through a whole movie without it, you know, hair perfectly in place, without getting a punch laid on him. And that's not as fun as watching John McClane walk through glass, is it? Yeah, yeah exactly. I was thinking that exact thing, yeah. Hmm. yeah. And what about you, Julian? I'm guessing there's the history angle as well for you as a historian. Um, There's the history angle, yeah, but... To be honest, I think I mostly just connected with the character of Indy, and again, it's because he was relatable and vulnerable, um, and um, I don't know, I just kind of wanted to be him, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, as a 14-year-old, that's the only reason that you need to love a movie. 
Yeah. yeah, absolutely. That's true. And there, there's just some really um, great characterization of Indiana Jones that makes him stand out, I think, in the, in the pantheon of, of great film characters. As you said, the vulnerability, the fact that he hates snakes, like he's his action hero, but he's got a phobia, and that just makes him that much yeah. more relatable. Um, yeah. he's, he's got problems with his dad, which I think a lot of people can relate to, if not that specifically, just you know, parental family issues getting in the way. Also, think something that is special, especially to kids, is that he's got like a secret identity almost because he's got this mm-hmm. this work life. But then on the weekends, he goes and does this daring do adventures, and I just think, yeah. And the other thing we got to talk about really is Harrison Ford, the role he loves and was born to play. Oh yes, I know, I know. And do we do we have any idea? Any idea about why Harrison Ford loves playing Indiana Jones so much, but hates playing Han Solo? Do we have any clue as to why that is the case? Um, I remember reading an interview with him in Empire Magazine where he said that um, Indy just has a bit more depth to him. Um, he's a more soulful character um, compared to Han Solo, whose role is basically to be the cool older brother. Sure, 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 sure. I can understand that, but to be so diametrically opposed, <laughs> like, yeah, I think this is his favorite role, and he and Han Solo is his least favorite. It's such a it's so bizarre, it is weird. And I also think, I don't think that Harrison Ford is particularly egotistical, you know, he's an actor and movie star, so obviously, there's a bit of that is, is that's why he's in that career. But I have to think that in Star Wars, he's one of the crew, you know. Indiana Jones, he's the main guy. It's all him. So I think that's part of it, surely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Can't hurt, certainly. Hmm. To some extent. I also think um, the indie movies, they're really well written. Hmm. Um, like Raiders of the Lost Ark has such an incredible screenplay. Um, and each one challenges, each film challenges indie in a different way. Um and kind of deals with a different religion. Um, mm. uh, basically, Indy, when we meet him, is an atheist. He's a he's a man of science, but he he eventually finds the faith um, to close his eyes and let God sort them all out <laughs> um, with melty faces. Yeah. Um, the second one is about Hinduism, kind of. It's. Uh, Anyway, um, then yeah. um, then we get to the third film, which is about Christianity um, and the reconciliation of the father and the son, uh, uh, sort of tying into that theme so closely. Mm. And then we get to the fourth one, which is Aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that, Julian, about the fourth films and this is a bit of an arc pardon the pun, over the first three, and then the fourth kind of is his own thing-ish. But the other thing I think is interesting and, and makes the series stand out as opposed to other action films is the historical setting and also the interplay that Indy is this guy who's an archaeologist, is obsessed with history and, and putting relics in museums and whatnot, but also he gets confronted with these mystical things and doesn't seem to like bother him too much or he just tries to try and live his life... <laughs> knowing yeah. that stuff is happening um that 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 makes me 
come to this series, we're going to talk about the young Indiana Jones Chronicles, in which that element isn't at play, and it, it is more of a you know, guest of the week who was, happens to be historical figure, which I, I don't think the film series was as much into having Indy meet historical people. I mean, I guess Hitler turns up in the third film. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- that was a gag. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so and that that is you know, the concept i guess that we, you spoke about of let's teach kids some history and if they can learn about lawrence of arabia while at the same time you know almost let's lure, lure them in with some fun adventures but also they'll learn some history um that that's not really the point of the the movie series and that's where i kind of think the, the the TV series has left me a little bit cold, but also I'm not yeah. the target audience as a almost thirty year old man now. Yeah, I have mixed feelings about the show. It's a very mixed bag. Um, uh, the uh, it was an anthology series, and um, some episodes feature very young Corey Carrier as little kid Indy. Uh, most episodes feature Sean Patrick Flannery as Teenage Indy. Uh, River Phoenix wasn't up for reprising his role. Mm. Um, uh, and one week you've got little Indy wandering around the Athenian Acropolis with his dad talking about philosophy. And the next week you've got shell-shocked teenage Indy dealing with the horror of trench warfare. And then we got the Great Train Robbery. And then there's the episode where he fights Dracula and sometimes it can be really light and family friendly and sometimes super intense and action packed um so you kind of never quite know what you're going to get with this series um well that that's just what you described is it's it'd be hard to find target audience because either it's too too dark or um involved for the young kids or too boring for the older kids yeah exactly um, I find that the best episodes tend to be the ones with as little involvement from historical people as possible. Yeah. Um, uh, and where it just focuses on just giving us a good story. Um, <laughs> but that said, look, it's kind of fun. Like, um, I personally did learn something from watching this show. Um, and it's, it's quite, um, it's also a really good looking show uh um incredibly lavish production values that had never been seen on TV before um it was shot entirely on location in 25 countries mm-hmm. um a 3 year continuous shoot um with incredibly detailed period props costumes cars the set design is just amazing sorry the art design is just amazing um and it's also kind of interesting for me as a follower of Lucasfilm because it was kind of Lucas's proving ground to experiment with ex- with effects techniques uh, that would pop up later in Star Wars, like digital set extensions, CGI dogfights, multiplication of extras to make crowds. But, you know, there's also plenty of practical explosions. Um, so... It's, it's kind of great in that way. I think I've gotten my notes here, Julian, actually something about this must have the most explosion and fire of any kid show ever made, right? <laughs> it certainly has the highest body count. Um, oh, well, that's true and too. <laughs> there were complaints about the violence of it. Um, 
uh, like it could be so bleak sometimes. Mm. Um, and uh, even in the little kid episodes, sometimes um, and we'll go into that. Mm. Well, yeah, the one thing I'll say about the, the kid episode, the, the little kid episode we watched, is that he felt like a like a passenger in the story, given yeah. he's only six and these things are happening around him. That's natural, yeah. I suppose, but. It, it, and that's Indiana Jones. I, I want to see him do stuff. That's kind of the downfall of the show, to be honest. Is it's either about the um, about the historical figures, and Indy just happens to be there, yeah. or it's an episode about Indy and the um, historical figures kind of make a cameo appearance, um, and. It never quite gels. It almost sometimes feels like there's two different shows competing mm. for attention. Actually, three different shows competing for attention here. One's a kind of documentary series. One's a little kid, a, a show for younger kids, and one's mm. more for the Indiana Jones fans, if that makes sense. Yeah, people who love the movies. Yeah, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't quite gel, as you said. Um. Dylan, do you have any overall thoughts on the series? I want your thoughts, especially maybe on the production values. What I thought were amazing for a, for a TV show oh. in the 90s. Man, it's incredible. George Lucas had that bloody Star Wars money and he was not afraid to spend it, apparently. <laughs> on just whatever he wanted. It's little passion projects like this. Yeah, yeah. And Spielberg wasn't involved, was he, Julian? Mm-mm. No. <laughs> I guess he was I busy. Think he basically, I think he basically said... You have fun, George. I don't want to touch it with a 10-foot pole. <laughs> now, this is maybe a boring question, and it doesn't really matter in terms of anything, right? But do we consider this canon, the events of this series, to the wider end of Indiana Jones universe? Um, I think, um, uh, yes. I think I think I read that in 4 they referenced one of the episodes, apparently. Oh, okay. So apparently it's yeah. Canon, I guess. Yeah. Uh, they, I, I suspect this was at the request of Lucas. Um, Indy makes a reference to having ridden with Pancho Villa um, mm. when he was oh, yeah. about Mark Williams' age. That's all we saw. Okay. Um, when the show was originally released, um, uh, it was uh, in 45-minute chunks, mm-hmm. sort of uh, standard hour-length television Um and they had an elderly actor, uh, George Hall, uh, playing old Indiana Jones. And he would present kind of a bookend where um, he would we'd see Indy, you know, um, struggling to pump gas. And um, the gas attendant comes out to, to help him. Um, and uh, he tells this poor person his life story about oh, as a way to kind of... In- introduce his adventures when he was young um his his grandpa's hemsing in it okay (laughs) yeah it was exactly what it's like um and they're kind of cute and kind of fun but um i'm kind of glad that they were taken off um Mm. the dvd release because they're not the, the the bookends aren't canon um uh because they clash with um the crystal skull Okay. But, uh, yes, um, Indy has a daughter in in that continuity. Mm. Um, 
it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun, and it's also interesting. Like Indy's look. Um, he's still got his iconic hat and jacket, uh, but he's got glasses and an eye patch, um, <laughs> which uh, was um, a homage to John Ford, the mm. director, who right. who had that look. Um, yeah. So yeah, maybe that's true in some sort of multiverse, which is all the rage these days. That maybe they can reference him at some point. <laughs> the Adventures of Old Indiana Jones. <laughs> um, and I think you wrote in your notes, Julian, that like that that's kind of fun of the concept, but it is kind of sad to see this this adventurous man who was so full of life just reduced to an old guy who's boring at the shops and, and annoying people with their life story. Oh, he really is like Grandpa Simpson. Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, it's it's kind of sad to see your favourite action hero in that phase of his life. You kind of don't think about what happens when John McLean is 102 years old. Yeah. Is is the conceit there as well that he's talking about, like, the time he, he met you know, Lawrence of Arabia, but no one believed him because he's an old man who's, like, got dementia like, or something? That's exactly what it's yeah. like. Okay. Um, All right, mate. All right. You, you had sex with Matahari. That's cool. <laughs> and that's canon, by the way, that Indy lost his virginity to Matahari. Cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. As I said, I, I, I get the conceit for a kid's show that you want to throw in some, some famous people and that's kind of fun way to introduce history to kids and you can see this being played in you know year eight history or something um in classes at school but also the thing is that india jones has big adventures he sort of steps into a mystical world he doesn't quite understand and he steps back and then goes on the next adventure and also is an archaeology professor and that's the sort of fun stuff so i don't know to, to hear that india jones who you know for you know, as much as he is doing adventurous stuff, he is an everyman. That to hear that his his whole childhood was filled with meeting every famous person every week, that's kind of a bit weird to me. Yep, it is a bit weird. To be honest, I kind of love the concept of a show about a young person coming of age while getting travelling the world in the early 20th century and getting mixed up in all kinds of trouble. Mm. I just kind of wish that it wasn't called Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Right. But on the other hand, I I don't think it would have got made without the name Indiana Jones. So mm. there you go. Yeah, and it's, it's always that 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 tension between between that sort of thing. And I, I yeah, I, I kind of I don't know. I don't know if it's canon in my head. In my head, canon. But okay. also, if Indiana Jones that, that we know from the movies mentioned he had this sort of life it kind of does make sense to a certain degree you're like oh yeah that's how you sort of got into this you've been doing this since you were six yeah and i i don't know i think that um it's an interesting artifact and it's an acquired taste for sure part of the problem is that um they don't really go into Indy's character, like his backstory. Like I was fully expecting to meet Sala and Marion um, and Abner Ravenwood, um, maybe find out what the backstory is with Belloc, but none of them show up. Um, yeah. Do you think that was maybe 
if not a Spielberg thing, but more of a, you can do your show, but as long as it doesn't really interfere with the movies, do whatever you want. Is that um, the idea? I know that there were episodes planned for the third season uh, where we did meet Marion and Belloc, um, but I it got cancelled. Um, and in fact, Belloc and Indy were going to be great friends, um, but they have a falling out when uh, Belloc stole the crystal skull. Okay, George. Getting your yeah. skulls in early. <laughs> he really wanted that in the movies. He wanted that as the MacGuffin yeah. so badly. All right. <laughs> um, now, we've got more to talk about the show in general, but maybe it will come out of our discussions of the episodes um, as we go through them. Uh, Julian, could you, you gave us a little mini trilogy, which was quite cool. What, what were the episodes we watched? First one is called My First Adventure. Uh, where Indy embarks uh, on a world tour at the age of eight, uh, leaving Princeton for Egypt. Uh, joining the Joneses is Ms. Helen Seymour, a no-nonsense Oxford tutor who is responsible for Indy's education. In Cairo, they join up with Howard Carter and T.E. Lawrence on an archaeological dig, where Indy discovers his passion for archaeology uh, before helping to solve the theft of a priceless jackal artifact. It turns out the culprit is Demetrios, a mad bomber and smuggler of antiquities, uh, and Demetrius gets away. Um, after that, the family heads to Tangier, where they meet journalist Walter Burton Harris and Sharifa of Wazan, Emily King, uh, before learning about the slave trade. Uh, disguising himself as a Moroccan, Indy is kidnapped, and he narrowly escapes a life of forced labour. Uh, the moral of the story is that slavery is bad, kids. Well, I mean, the moral of the story is some slavery is bad, because there was a discussion at some point where some of it's justified, apparently. Yeah, um, it was kind of interesting. Jones Sr. very much reflects, um, the kind of uh, Victorian British view, which makes perfect sense to me, mm. um, uh, particularly looking at uh, sort of the classical context where slavery was quite normal, um, and he thinks that makes it okay. Miss um, Seymour, who I love her as a character, she's so spiky, um, <laughs> she tells him off. I really I like her as a character. Yeah, this is this is an interesting episode, and I think it it really quite suffered in our watching um, by being the two distinct episodes just thrown together. Because at mm -hmm. about the forty sixth minute, it just changes, and I was like, "Did I miss a scene? What's going on here? We're in a totally different environment." So it probably suffers because the book ending got taken off. I'd say that was probably the actual end of the episode originally. Yeah, that, 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 that's that how it would have been. Yeah. Um, I think that. In the pilot, they actually had it was actually a telefilm, and it was the first half was Egypt, and the second half was um, Mexico, uh, with teenage Indy uh, pursuing Demetrius. That would make sense. Um, but it still it does actually lose something from not having the narration mm. um, from old Indy and. 
sometimes the sticky taping two episodes together is quite jarring, um, yeah. particularly, and it's much more noticeable with Indy when he's younger because he's aged between the two parts. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> the way that this one's thrown together, I, I couldn't chart the journey. So I, I do wonder if a bit of narration could have helped, or I mean, like, they did put something in, but. I don't know, I was lost for a bit, and I, I can't help but feel like that. I know they did it for the DVDs, but it's also like, it's a kid's show, who cares? Like, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine. Yeah. I kind of wish that George Lucas had resisted his temptation to tinker with it. Um, he can't leave things alone. Yeah. Um, and it was stronger in its original presentation with old indie. Mm. But, hey, we needed to have Shia LaBeouf. As Indy's kid. He was hot that summer, it's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was the weirdest five minutes in pop culture ever. <laughs> it's very true. Um, now, is, is Indiana Jones's mum ever addressed in the movies? Because it's very obsessed with his dad, obviously, in that third film, but has his mum ever talked about Julian? Um, there is a very brief reference in uh, the third film, um, okay. where Indy and his dad sit down at the airport bar um, mm. and they say, we haven't talked since mum died. Mm. Um, and it's never really uh, addressed who she is or what she's about. And uh, I'm sorry to say that we don't necessarily see a whole lot more of her in the show. I mean, she's there. Yeah, exactly. She was fine. She was a mum. As any normal mum would be. There is one episode where she falls in love with Pacini, um, oh. and Indy has to prevent his save his parents' marriage. Um, yeah, because that's not toxic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, now, um, we mentioned uh, T. Lawrence recently in episode Julian. I'm not sure if you've watched it, listened to it yet, but. Um, the best Lawrences we went through in history. And he oh, was yes. up there, wasn't he, Dylan? No, man, he, he's one of the boys, for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and he's, a, he's a bit of an arc, like a, something that, that Indiana Jones moulds himself on, this, this series indicates. Well, it's never stated explicitly, but this is kind of my reading of it, um, is that across these three episodes, um, we very much uh, see that Indy... Um, he meets Lawrence, who is an amateur archaeologist himself, an action man, um, and yet a very educated and cultured figure um, uh, with a real sense of history. Um, and uh, he kind of gloms onto Lawrence, um, and we see that they keep in touch throughout his life. Um, uh, and it kind of makes sense to me that of all the historical figures that Indiana Jones could uh, attach himself to, he would go for Lawrence. I, I think that it, Lawrence is filling a, a a sort of cross between a, a big brother, which he doesn't have, but also a father figure, which he has a troubled uh, relationship with. And then, as, as we see, he, he he grows into into that as he as he ages. So that's kind of cool. I didn't. I didn't mind that that little bit of characterization. I um, yeah. 
I wrote here as well, high production values from the get-go, just amazing. Some of these scenes in the desert, they would have cost so much money, so many extras running around, like, just just yeah. amazing, isn't it? And, you know, when they actually, when they show Indy and Miss Seymour climbing the pyramids, they really went to the pyramids. Um, Jeez. And um, they don't allow you to do that anymore. Um oh, okay. Too many people bringing a hammer and chisel and just, you know, cutting off a bit of the pyramid to take home with uh, them. That sucks. Um, but still, it's... Um, yeah, no, it's very cool. It is inc incredible scenery. Mm. Um, and uh, also, there is one thing that does crop up a bit throughout the series is that the movie... Sorry, the series references a lot of movies. Mm. Um, uh and when we first meet T.E. Lawrence, he's kind of this mysterious figure striding in from the desert, um, and it's very similar to his introduction in Lawrence of Arabia. Right. I actually haven't uh, seen that yet. Oh, you should. I've, I've actually I've got it there to watch in my pile, but you know, even with the name and everything, I, I, I'm just bad, I guess. I just <laughs> so good. end up watching House Hunters instead sometimes, Julia, unfortunately. <laughs> I can't criticize. I'm currently <laughs> watching Andromeda, which is the best worst thing ever. <laughs> um, that, that's interesting. I, I'll I will look out for that when I do watch um, Lawrence of Arabia. Um, one thing that I wasn't expecting on this show, in this series that we watched, was to be so much blackface. I was not thinking that would be a part of this. And no. I, I do know that it's like historically accurate to the time, but it still feels like something that maybe wouldn't get done on TV today. What are your thoughts on that, Dylan? I mean, yeah, you're right. It wouldn't get done on TV today. At least the second time in the war episode, it's for a good cause, you can argue. Like, they're trying to win the war, <laughs> but the first time there's no excuse. Just morbid curiosity. No. Mm. It's... um. So Indy disguises himself as a Moroccan in the first episode, and we later see him uh, disguise himself, I think, as uh, an Egyptian. Mm. Um, and uh, they use uh, walnut, walnut oil um, to make his skin darker. And I, this is genuinely something that um, English spies used to do. Right. Um, and... On the one hand, you know, depicting something isn't necessarily uh, endorsing it. On the other hand, man, it's weird. I'm yeah, sorry. It is very especially, weird. Especially when he tries to act like a stereotypical Moroccan or Egyptian and it's just kind of icky. It really does feel like blackface. Yeah. And in this first episode... It, it's yeah, he's a kid and whatever, so it's kind of a bit more understandable in that sense. And it's I don't think it's saying go and do this, kids. You're watching it. It's sort of depicting something that was happening at the time, and it's not necessarily blackface in the traditional sense of like minstrel shows and in and, and that sense. But yeah, we we obviously don't do that, and that's not that's not cool. And it even with all that context, it's still weird to see it, and I I wasn't comfortable watching it. No, nope, I'm with you on that one. Mm. So, Julie, this our first episode with the, with the little Indiana Jones, I have to say I, I struggled a bit with it. I thought it was a bit bit of a slog. 
And I think that the pacing gets a bit off as well by by chucking two episodes together because you naturally reach an end to an episode and then it sort of starts up again. But normally in a yep. you know ninety minute um, movie you'd have you know, different pacing and different different acts. So that was a bit weird. But at the same time, it was kind of fun. It was kind of interesting to see this part of Indiana Jones's life, even if you don't think it's strictly canon. But to see a depiction of it was cool. And something you've, you've identified, it's a bit of a test run for another famous George Lucas character being shown as a child. Oh, yeah. Um, little Kid Indy really does feel like Little Kid Anakin. Mm. Um, and that uh, he's sort of alternates between being a bit of a brat and being wise beyond his years. Um and, um, yeah, it, it's slightly weird and kind of uncomfortable, to be honest. Um, the problem is there's only so much peril that you can put an eight-year-old in. Mm. Um, well, fair point, yeah. And I suspect that the writers were struggling to find ways that they could plausibly get him away from his parents. <laughs> True. Yeah, that, that that's fair enough, and and if you give all the adventure to other characters, it kind of becomes like his little kid hanging around in the background, who's not part of the main adventure. Right. So basically, when Lawrence shows up, suddenly it's the Lawrence show, um, <laughs> and like this podcast. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, he becomes the driver of the action, but then it's it's weird when he he leaves at a certain point too. So, yeah, mm. odd. It is odd. Odd is the word for this. <laughs> um, I have to give them credit for um, uh, for their depiction of archaeology in this episode. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, Howard's excavations really were like that. Um, just. You know, bring a dynamiter in. We'll just blow up a section of the wall so we can get in. Um, The emphasis was on treasure hunting as much as anything scientific. Um, And, uh, yeah, it's also interesting because, you know, the the scenes where they go into the tomb and they find a mummy are genuinely unsettling and creepy. Yeah, definitely. Mm. (laughs) Um, it's one of those moments where you're like, is this really a kid's show? Um, and I think kids and, should be scared every now and then, so I don't mind that, but it, it does make you wonder when you're watching it as an adult, what, what's going on? Yeah. Um, there's a reference in it to, uh, to mummies leaking, um, mm. because, uh, the mummification process is less than perfect. I can confirm that's true. Um... At the museum where I used to work, we had an Egyptian death mask, and the inside of it was all crusty and brown, basically, Ooh. with with mummy juices. Um, oh. So yeah, it was always great getting showing that to the kids on the tours. Well, I bet. Jeez. <laughs> all right. Well, do you have any other thoughts on this episode, Dylan? Anything about mummy juice you want to talk about? Not particularly that. I was I was with you, Julian. Surprised we didn't get a Sala cameo in this mm. one. Yeah. Mm. 
but that's oh, well. I was expecting it straight up once we go to Egypt, but you know what? They held back, so good for them, I guess. Mm. Yeah, I guess. Missed so. opportunity. It's it's not a restraint that George Lucas would show in <laughs> later movies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, um, there are many things you could talk, say about George Lucas. Restraint <laughs> is not one of them. No, we we are definitely part of the George Lucas fan club on this podcast. But you know, he's got his got his foibles too, hasn't he? He's got his quirks. <laughs> quirks. Um, um, can we move on to Spring Break Adventure, Julian. Yeah, I really like this one. Um, so, sixteen-year-old Indy is dating Nancy Stratemeyer. She's the real-life inspiration behind the character of Nancy Drew. Um, they help drive Thomas Edison. Sorry, sorry, help Thomas Edison solve the theft of an experimental battery. Initially, it looks like German spies are the culprits, but then it turns out that it's an oil company trying to halt progress on the electric car. After that. Eddie goes south of the border and gets mixed up in the Rev- Mexican Revolution, uh, riding alongside Pancho Villa. He makes friends with Remy, this happy-go-lucky Belgian, um, who's kind of his sidekick for most of the series. Um, eventually, they kind of get bored, to be honest. They get disillusioned <laughs> with the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, they ride off to join the war in Europe. But not before Indy catches up with Demetrius, who's mm. now smuggling weapons as well as antiquities in Mexico. Um, and that final fight with Demetrius is its a classic Indiana Jones setup, a burning house full of dynamite. Uh, with his bullwhip in hand, Indy fights Demetrius for the jackal and escapes before the smuggler blows himself sky high. I I think that ending sequence this episode is matches anything in the movies, to be honest. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Absolutely. I'm- Great. I love I love the fights because I love the sound effect of the punching. Yes. It's the same yes. sound effect they use in the movies because it kind of sounds like a whip cracking as yes. well. Yes. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, uh, just, just maybe just cycle back a little bit to the first part of the episode. I thought it was was quite well, quite fun, as you said, Julie, the Nancy Drew aspect to it all. Um, it's it's Indiana Jones meets Nancy Drew. <laughs> yeah, the way I would sum this one up. And it was, you know, I've I've maybe got a little bit of a concern about like an adventure show about Indiana Jones, and he's just a high school and wants to get a date and a a car for prom. That maybe isn't what I think of when I think of Indiana Jones. 
However, it was a lot of fun if you kind of look past that aspect to it. Um, and Again, if it wasn't called Indiana Jones, <laughs> it'd be great. <laughs> yeah, if it was just a period piece about you know, teenagers who are in love and solving crimes in their local area of New England, that would, that would be really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I liked in this that he's got a girlfriend like that. That's kind of weird to see him. He's got a job as well. He's worked in an ice cream parlor. Like, can, can you like, contextualize why he's doing this? Like he's obviously finished his adventure. Um, he's, he's like around the world tour. The dad's not around. Like what's going on for, for Indiana at this point? Henry, I should say at this point. I'm afraid I'm as much in the dark as you are. Oh, okay. Um, it's just thrown in there that he works at an ice cream parlor. Cool. Yeah, basically. Um, <laughs> The um, I think that uh, uh, I think that the ice cream parlor is such a quintessential feature of kind of American suburbia mm. Um, mm. in this time. Um, it's kind of shorthand for this is a period piece about teenagers. Um, yes, they do the same thing in um, um, It's a Wonderful Life and mm-hmm. in the Back to the Future movies as well. Yeah, um, it's it's just it's cliched or archetypal, if you mean kind, perhaps, yes. Yeah. So basically with the show chronologically, the adventures of very young Indy breaks off um uh with them in China when he's about ten. And the next thing we know it's Indy when he's sixteen. Um and he's suddenly got a job working at a soda parlor. Uh, as, as Right. Okay, so he's just the lost years are in there somehow that we don't really know what happened. Just reading books and stuff, maybe. I suspect it was pretty dull, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> didn't 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 get enough excitement to warrant an episode. All right, that's that's okay. Mm. Um, Look, so you go. I have to say, the direction in that first episode, uh, the one with Nancy was really, really strong. Um, mm. This one was directed by Joe Johnson, um, mm. fresh off fresh off um, The Rocketeer, um, and I think he would have been prepping for Jumanji by that point. Uh, but you can really tell it was the same guy who directed The Rocketeer um, and who would go on to direct um, uh, Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, he's really nailing that feeling of adventure in the period setting. Yeah, there's a bit of a through line there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of his thing. I, I think maybe this episode could have been made that a little bit better for me if it wasn't all about Indiana Jones getting a car for prom. Like, you could have the rest of it be fine still, but I don't know. He just seems to be dragged into it. He's a bit of a doofus as well. Like, I know he's supposed to be... <laughs> Yeah. The very beginning of his journey, but he's just like as he grows up, he's unflappable. He gets beat up, but he'll keep coming. But he's a bit of a ninny here, I thought. Yeah. He's a bit awkward, and it, I yes, don't think it even really matches with the River Phoenix version we know of as well from the movies. No, and this is part of the issue: is that chronologically, this happens after the River Phoenix stuff, and we kind of get the reintroduction of the bullwhip and yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, he's in the second half. I think he's recognizably the same character as the River Phoenix guy because you know it belongs in a museum. He actually says that, <laughs> yeah. um, and this time 
he he actually spots the bull whip and he just goes for it mm. um um because he succeeded the first time um and i can kind of buy that he's the same guy from uh, uh the last crusade but I, you're right, I can't buy that River Phoenix in The Last Crusade goes on to be a soda jerk. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, and this is, again, it's part of the problem. Um, you, know what it, you know what Young Indy reminds me of in some ways? What's that? Is Tintin. Yeah. Um, sure. Because Tintin, he's kind of a blank slate. And he will basically do whatever the plot requires of him <laughs> on his globe-trotting adventures. He'll be whoever the story needs him to be. Um, and he doesn't really have any strong personality traits except for being a plucky adventurer. Yeah. Um, and the reader or the viewer can kind of, um, I don't know, impress themselves on him. Yeah, it's uh, more about the, the 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 MacGuffin and the set pieces than it is about character arc, I guess. Exactly, and this is where it's sometimes indie is completely unrecognizable episode to episode um, through the show, um, and there's no real character development. Hmm. Well, yeah. there is, but it's very subtle. Yeah, sure. And, and again. When they showed it on television, it was an anthology series, so the episodes were shown out of chronological order. Um, yeah, you just tuned in and got what you got. You went like waiting every week for the next bit of the last week's story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. So you're right; it's a bit disjointed. Yeah, mm. Dylan, we went to high school together. Sure did. How many times did you have a girl saying, "Let's do English homework together," when really we know what that she meant? She meant they were going to get down and dirty, right? Mate, too many times to count. You know how it is. <laughs> also, Dylan, when we were at high school, did you look clearly like a late 20s man? Because <laughs> no, Indiana Jones like does. I was pushing my 30s. No. <laughs> um, I, um, I think that's a bit easier to handle when he's not at high school, but it, it was a bit jarring yeah. for me. I understand why. Obviously, he's got to be older to, to film it and stuff. But still, it was a bit, bit awkward for me. This he's is very nineties at the end of the thing. day. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. has got a bit of a baby face though. Oh, so. uh, yeah, true. It gets a bit weird later on when he comes back to America after the war, um, and um, he uh, catches up with his dad um, because there was only one year's difference between. Uh, the actor who played Indy and the actor who played um, Henry Jones Senior. Oh right, yeah. Um, and I mean they they age him up quite well, um, but yeah, it is slightly weird. Hmm. What do we think of his dad in the show? I think that the impression of Sean Connery is pretty dead on. Um, mm. I could I could buy that this guy will turn into Sean Connery. Later in life, what did you, what, that's what you guys think? That was my issue because we know what Sean Connery looks like at around that age. He looks like yes. James Bond. He doesn't <laughs> look like this guy. But apart from that, yeah, as you said, the accent was pretty dead on. And I, I don't know if 
he should have been as active in the series as he was. Like, Last Crusade, he comes across as more of an absent father than he is in the show. Yes. Uh, they do address that a bit. Um, basically, when Indy um, comes back to the US, um, his father really just doesn't want to know him. Um, oh, Jesus. And sees him as, still sees him as a silly little boy, even though Indy's been to war and he's come back a man. Um, but, you know, there's a very tense and awkward scene between them where um, Henry Jones Sr., uh, he, he uh, insists on calling Indy Jr. Uh, he hates it. Um, and they get into an argument over the resolution of World War I. Um, Indy knows that they're heading towards another war, um, and uh, his dad just dismisses him and says, go to your room. Um, there won't be another war in my <laughs> world, thank you. Exactly. Um, and it's I can really see that that is the that is the rift, and also the fact that Indy um, went to study archaeology. Um, his father wanted him to study history um, or linguistics, uh, but mm. archaeology was still a very new thing. And to be honest, in some ways, it was still, a lot of it was still treasure hunting. Right. Um, it was a pseudoscience. Um, a lot of people regarded it as a pseudoscience. Yeah. Um, so I can kind of understand why he didn't want to, he wasn't crazy about Indy studying archaeology. Um, also the fact that Indy just basically gets bored and takes off. Um in this episode, he gets... Again, I don't know if this episode would fly today. He basically gets radicalised by a foreign insurgency into fighting for them, um, joining the Mexican Revolution. Yeah, it's, it's historical, so it's okay, Julian, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's all and in I the past. Pancho Villa also has this real mystique around him, mm. the legend. Um... So I guess that it's kind of okay. Um, I, I thought that the transition between the, the two parts of this light longer episode was a bit more gentle. Um, yes. And, yeah, the, the fact that Indy goes on a, is supposed to go on a sort of weekend adventure with a weird cousin. We've all got a weird <laughs> cousin, haven't we? He is so weird, isn't he? <laughs> the thing about that is if you don't have a weird cousin, I'm sorry, but you're the weird cousin yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably the truth. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, just by accident gets himself caught up in a war. Um, classic indie sort of stuff. Yeah. I, I felt a little bit like, like I liked the whole whole story of the first episode with the with the you know, secret um, secret spies and the actually it turns out it's the oil company and that sort of stuff. That was quite well done. Clark Gregg's there. He's pretty cool. Agent Coulson, who we'll see later in the Marvel movies. In early role, this one I felt dipped a bit, but then had a really strong ending, as we mentioned with the the fight in the the burning building. But ah, look, and the the set pieces in the second half are really good too. Um, the the um, the battle scenes are fantastic, and always the 
the moment where um, the train, they, they basically steal a train, um, mm. load it up with explosives and ram it into a wall, um, was so, so tense and really well done. Um, oh, the, the, the budget of this show. <laughs> yeah. Oh, amazing. Cannot be overstated. I um, no. But I, I feel like it, hap- it just felt a bit reminiscent of the Little Kid episode where at a certain point, Indy's just sort of along for the ride. He's incidental to what's going on, but that that does get corrected by the by the end of this episode where he's he's in the thick of it. Yeah, and he's kind of matured to the point where he can finish what um, Lawrence started in getting the jackal back. Mm. Um, and the the influence of Lawrence is kind of subtle. Like his hairstyle is very similar to Lawrence's. Mm. Um, and, uh, his writing style and his letters is also very similar to the way that Lawrence wrote. Yeah. That um, was nice. Oh, what did you guys think of Remy? That's his buddy. Yeah. yeah it was cool to yeah. see Indy have a friend. Yeah, he's alright. Yeah. Good take him and leave him. <laughs> okay. I'd be sad about leaving him a little bit, I guess. Well, that's good. Yeah. Indy and Remy, um, Remy is kind of the archetypal... Uh, the 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 prototype for figures like Sala, um, kind yeah. of indie sidekick, um, and they do have a lot of adventures together. And that is actually one thing which is done to get done quite well is that they have a lot of ups and downs in their relationship, um, and ultimately they're kind of part as enemies. Shit. Um, oh no. Well, kind of. Basically, the last adventure together is called Treasure of the Peacock's Eye, um, where um, after the war, immediately after the war, uh, they go after this diamond, the two of them, um, and it's the diamond from um, the Temple of Doom, the opening. Um, and it's this indie in proper treasure hunting mode. Um, but Remy only wants it for, because it's a diamond and it's, it's priceless. Um, and they kind of part ways uh, accusing each other of backstabbing. Um, and Indy realizes that he's going after the diamond for the wrong reasons. Um, and that he could spend the rest of his life pursuing this diamond. Um, and uh, it's kind of nice to see it as a. Um, it's, it's, it's kind kind of nice to have that line of continuity with the films. Mm. Yeah, I, I can't help but feel this podcast will end like that. Dylan and me fighting over a diamond in some capacity. Oh yeah, we're definitely fighting as enemies. <laughs> this will not be an amicable ending. No way. <laughs> Can you insert the fist fight sounds? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, can we move on to the next episode? Because there is a one of the craziest fights I think I've seen in any medium at the end yes. of the episode. I want to get there quickly. But watching those first two episodes, I don't know about you two guys, but I felt like there were not enough Australians and there were no yes. Daniel Craig weird accent things happening. So luckily... The Daredevils of the Desert fix it up for us. Can you tell us about this episode, Julian? 
1917, Gaza. Uh, Indy is now an undercover operative for the Allies. Um, here's this whole thing. He gets recruited as a spy, um, I think, because of his language skills. Mm. Um, mm. And uh, suddenly he finds his old buddy, uh, T.E. Lawrence, has volunteered him for a dangerous mission. The Allies... Uh, including the Anzac Mounted Infantry, are planning to cross the desert to take the town of Beersheba from the Ottoman Turks. Uh, Indy has to slip into Beersheba to stop the Turks from blowing up their wells, um, or 50,000 Aussies are going to die of thirst, and the entire campaign in the Middle East will collapse. So no pressure. <laughs> joining, <laughs> joining Indy is Maya, uh, a beautiful secret agent posing as a belly dancer, played by Catherine Zeta-Jones in, I think, her first big role. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Their smouldering their romance might just doom the whole operation, because it turns out that she's a double agent working for the German head of intelligence, uh, Captain Schiller, who uh, is played by Daniel Craig in his first big role. Um and uh, as the Australian Mounted Infantry storm over the walls, Indy slugs it out with James Bond and saves the day. Yeah, this was a good episode, I thought. I um, It, it sort of had the, the clearest, like, the highest stakes, and it's got the ticking clock, and it's got the final battle and the cross-cutting between the two, the two sort of simultaneously action set pieces. Well, that was pretty well done. Um, and yeah, it just felt like it all came together. And I feel like if this show was this quality every episode, it might be you know heralded as a classic. It's not like that, mm. obviously, but this was a very good example. So with this episode, it was never aired. Um, it ah, was that's, originally. It's the best. It was one. only f- yes. It's my favorite of the lot. <laughs> um, it was only forty-five minutes in its original cut. Um, but for this one, when uh, George Lucas decided to release them as telefilms, rather than stitch this one together with another episode, he decided to do an extended cut. Um, yeah. And you can feel like a big movie, yeah. Yeah, really, it, it's coherent. Um, <laughs> yes. Fair. And it's probably polite. That, that, that's a very good point. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, I have to say, like, this one does feel like proper Indiana Jones. Mm. Um, it's also really good historical stuff. Um, and it's really well directed. And I, like you said, I wish that the rest of the show was just like this. It's a uh, shame. Yeah, it's almost like they they cracked it. They, they worked out how to do it, but that's right at the end. Yeah, it was too good to release properly. But I'm, I'm glad they went back and, and yeah, fleshed it out for, for a longer episode. Because, yeah, I, I was watching. I was like, where's the weird cut? Where's the strange <laughs> two sides of a story that are thrown together? But, no, that, that all makes a lot of sense. Good work. I'm picking that up for Australian. Ah, cheers. So this one was directed by an Aussie, uh, Simon Winsor, who went on to – he's actually directed quite a few films. Um, mm. The Phantom was another one that he directed. Oh, yeah. Um, it was shot down but, here. Um, sorry? That was shot down here in Australia as well. Yes, it was. Mm. It was. Um, he previously actually told the story of the Battle of Beersheba in his film The Light Horseman. 
Um, and the episode incorporates a lot of stock footage from the film. Um, Bit of fun. A lot of a lot of the battle actually comes from this film. But so basically, he was laughing all the way to the bank because he was paid to make the same film twice, actually three times by the time that they did the extended cut. Yeah, he yeah, he's perfected it really by the time he got to yeah. the end. Yeah, um, and. Uh, Julie, can you tell me, is there any supernatural aspect to any of these episodes? Or is it just straight historical fiction all the way through? There is one episode, um, uh, the one where you go to Transylvania, um, and um, he um, encounters Dracula, basically. And I it's thought you were joking. Not that a- actually happens? Yeah, that actually happens. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Yeah. Okay. It's it's not as much fun as it sounds. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, that one they went for a full horror feel, which was mm. really weird. It didn't feel like Indiana Jones at all. Right. Um, it just felt it was kind of fun because it was a Dracula film set in World War One, um, which gave it a very different take on the Dracula mythos. Mm. Uh, but yeah, no, um, that really happened. It's canon. That's first Indy's first brush with the supernatural. Okay, <laughs> that's cool. Because um, not that it's like a huge aspect to every of like all the movies that we watch, but it was obviously apparent in that's the MacGuffin clearly. But this one just felt like a very good war movie to me. And I was like, wait, Indiana Jones normally has a little bit of something to do with you know, some sort of relic or whatever, but not not so much here. It really was just here's a war film and a good one. Yeah. And, you know, it's got proper film uh sort of serial feel to it. Um mm-hmm. the the constant double crosses of the spies. Um mm-hmm. spy versus spy. Um, mm-hmm. um I love I love that. It was really well done. And uh Catherine Zeta Jones is just awesome um you can tell just looking at her that she is going to go on to become a movie star yeah no she is great uh dylan you're a you're a bond fan how did julie did it julie how did daniel <laughs> um go for you in this one hey he was great he was hamming it up as a <laughs> evil was. german intelligence agent he was great i loved him <laughs> um chewing that scenery yeah, he's saying it's one of his very first roles, if not his very his first role, first big role. Um, it's been a while of a time. And it would have been a great adventure for these actors to to have this big budget TV show. They go into different parts of the world. Like, yeah. For so, kids yeah. for kids entertainment, entertainment, it's it's a bit out there, isn't it? Yeah, there's stories that cast were actually... Um, the, the, the cast and crew uh, were threatened by Islamic extremists while they were shooting in Turkey. Um, they, uh, while they were shooting in post-Soviet Russia, they had a bunch of Russian soldiers off to sell them a Scud missile for $10,000. Um, it was just nuts. Like, And yet yeah, you're right, it would have been an adventure. It would have been absolutely exhausting as well. Yeah, oh, so he's saying sure. three years sort of non-stop, but obviously 
anthology based so different directors and and crews and and the two even the two main indies are they have what up breaks between filming i'm guessing but that's still pretty full-on as a as a concept of a show to film it like that yeah i suspect that part of the reason why we got a lot less episodes with very young indie is because of the restrictions on um filming with child actors yeah um, sure. and, and how long they can shoot for um, it's also part of the reason why Indy is, in fact, in his 20s, like, the actor. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, then it'd be, um, they'd have tutors on set and that sort of stuff, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, as you mentioned um, before, there there is an, another aspect where um, Indy takes on a disguise, which involves a bit of browning up. Um, it's all good. Didn't like it much. It's somewhat played for laughs but also kind of serious so it's like what's the tone here it was funny though he's sort of he's bartering um with the with some some criminals he's sort of come across and they want the Catherine the jones character who he's he's traveling with and they want to take her. he's like no no she's lazy you don't want her she's terrible yeah and they're like oh if she's so bad get rid of her we'll take her He's like, oh no, I'll I'll keep her. You don't want her. It's fine. Ah <laughs> uh, dear, that whole bit is kind of regrettable. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in yeah. some ways, um, it's um, I mean, look, I I like I like this show, um, but I'm fully prepared to admit that it has its foibles. Also, like as much as it is a fairly recent show, the nineties were still a little bit of a different time of what you would, you know, community standards and whatnot. So, uh, putting in that context is 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 important, I think. Um, yeah, there's a there's a bridge sequence. I love a rope bridge sequence, especially Indiana Jones. It's got a very famous one, obviously, but this is a little a, a dry run for him in terms of that. What do you think of this one, Dylan? Yeah, it was all right. He was a bit obsessed with the camels a bit, for my liking, but, you know, it's all right. <laughs> oh, I was thinking, Indy, just do two trips. Don't try and take everything in one go. Of course you're going to fuck it up somehow, mate. Uh, yeah, well. Did, did you guys pick the dummy being thrown down the, the ravine? Yes. I loved it, personally. <laughs> but it was fun. <laughs> I did too. <laughs> Uh, gosh. Okay, now can we talk about the final fight with between Indiana Jones and Daniel Craig? Some of the craziest stuff, which I, I, I couldn't tell. Like it seemed like these guys are doing it right. I couldn't really pick any stunt doubles in there. They were just going at it, weren't they? Yeah, I think that's actually um, a bit a big part of the reason why uh, Sean Patrick Flannery was was cast was because he was a good stunt guy. He could do yeah. his own stunts. Yep. Um, but, um, yeah, martial artist, yeah. I think. Yeah. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I read that. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, the fight is, I mean, it's right up there with any of the fights in, in the indie movies. Well, they just um, destroyed they, these two offices that they were working in, just absolutely <laughs> smashed everything to bits. The, the yes. sound effects you mentioned, Dylan, were going crazy. Um, and it's a classic fight where it's not just like a fight to the death. They've, they've, they're trying to stop a switch being being thrown, which is just classic pop sort of media. I love that stuff. Mm. Yeah. And uh, the, the editing as well. Um, 
the, the cross-cutting between that and the battle going on outside, the tension is so high. But i got to say, one of the things that Indiana Jones consistently does really well is that the fight scenes are really coherent. Yes. Um, yeah. You can, you can see where everyone's standing. You can tell who's throwing the punch. Uh, you don't have these frantic cuts, um, which you often do, you often see in action films where they're using editing to try to make it more frenetic, seem more frenetic than it actually is. Um, mm. Just the rhythm of it is quite natural. Um, yeah, it's, it's a brutal fight too. It's, it's, it's yeah, yeah, so good. Um, my, my parents tell a story. They watched the first Indiana Jones film when it when it came out back in the nineteen eighty, I believe, and they they loved it. And they they said audiences, I mean, I, I'm thinking in Australia more than anything, but just hadn't seen that sort of thing on the big screen in a, in a big way like that before. And yeah. the story they tell is that the movie finished and everyone got up and clapped because they were like, that was so yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, you know, action films and adventure films to a certain degree, but, you know, yeah, this is obviously the peak of it, but Dharma does it in, in certain certain ways, really. But um, there is something special about Indiana Jones and, my my mum, who you know, likes a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff, but doesn't always get out to the cinema to watch watch things. So I was like, "Are you going to see the new indie?" She's like, "Definitely, yeah, I'm going to see that one in the, in the cinema." The Harrison Ford aspect, I guess, is also <laughs> important there. Um, but yeah, it's just from the get go, I think they the commitment to to um, having those visceral set pieces and the fights and the adventures that that that's what sets this this series apart. Mm, absolutely. Among other things um, as well. Um, what did you guys think of the Australians in the movie? It's around this thing, so. I think the fact that there was an Australian director definitely helped. They weren't like authentic Aussies, to be sure. Mm-hmm. Even I... a bit of rugby thrown in. Indie playing rugby. <laughs> it seemed like the, everyone bonded over the fact that he got smashed, which I thought was was very true to life. <laughs> Classic Australian doing that. Absolutely. Yeah, so I, I was watching it and I'm noticing the Australians were sort of interrogating young Indy so much. I'm like, are you guys going to turn out to be spies yourself? But I think, as it turns out, they were just inquisitive about this fellow and they were a bit bored because they, the, the powers that be weren't letting them fight. Yes. Oh, that's that's also true that they were held in reserve. This this particular battle um, historically is actually the last successful cavalry charge in history. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Um, I think that it was partly that they were just wanting to show how much friendlier Australians are compared to <laughs> compared to the Brits. Um, then that's that's classic Australian director bringing that aspect to it. I'm, I'm sure where yeah. it's if we want to have a, a villain, it can be the British. Yeah. Yep. I also found it interesting, and this is also a very Australian thing. Like it really did have an Australian feel to it, and that it was playing up the Anzac legend. Mm. Um. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you could put this this episode next to Gallipoli. Um, and they feel very much of a piece. Um, it's also interesting because they, they, they kind of pay lip service to the presence of New Zealanders, but we meet none. 
Um, no, yeah. that's not part of our story, is it? It's all Anzac, but the New Zealanders don't get much of a look in. Yeah, we'll pretend that the NZ part in Anzac doesn't stand for New Zealand. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's a bit of a shame. It's kind of crap. Sorry, Kiwis. <laughs> um, the episode also references um, an episode which had been written where Indy visits Australia, uh, it was never filmed, and he meets Harry Houdini during Houdini's visit to Melbourne. Um, uh, Harry Houdini, of course, um, uh, attempt, or I think attempted to fly across Australia in a plane. Um, and he wanted to be the first person to do it. Um, I don't think he succeeded. I'm not sure. Um, but Strange old fella, like- Houdini. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like to see that episode. I'm curious no. what Indy would have made of Houdini, to be honest. Yeah, that would have been cool. I wonder what he got up to in Australia in his time here too, Indiana Jones. Mm. I wonder if he came to Brisbane. Probably. I'm going to say yes, because <laughs> why wouldn't you? Exactly. <laughs> you go to Paris, London, New York, Brisbane. Olympic City, so... Caboolture. Um, <laughs> Toowoomba. <laughs> All right, calm, calm down. <laughs> yeah. No, I think so, um, to our listeners, I, I think if you had to watch one episode, this one definitely, it's because it's the classic, it's the movie template, as we said, and um, it feels more like the classic Indiana Jones. I have a soft spot for the Nancy Drew part of the Spring Break adventure. Um, but also, you could probably watch the first. 10, 15 minutes of my first adventure and probably get a good good capture of, of that of that sort of side of the this series as well. Um, mm-hmm. Dylan, are you recommending this to the listeners when you get amongst it sort of scenario or maybe just stick to the movies? I think definitely Dan Devils of the Desert. As I said, it's just a just a solid war film, basically. It goes for an hour and a half, so it's basically movie length. Yeah. Yep. Recommend Daredevils of the Desert. To be honest, you can skip the whole series. Um, if you brutal, <laughs> <laughs> like in all, like okay, being brutally honest, I enjoyed the series. I like the series. I've got a soft spot for the series. Do I feel like it deepened my understanding of the character of Indiana Jones? Not really. Mm. Um, you you can honestly just watch the movies um but if you want to have a fun time um with a real mixed bag um and get a kind of interesting curious sort of curio of pop culture yeah this is a fantastic thing to watch um and I, i again i would love to see the more developed version of this um and it's also interesting because George Lucas had big ambitions for what this show was going to be. And uh, I kind of miss the age of television where um, they were trying to make something, like really mm. set out not just to entertain but to educate. Um, and for a kid, particularly if you've got very understanding parents who are willing to sit with you and watch the show and kind of research and look up um, some of these historical events and figures, it really would have been an eye-opener. Um, mm. And 
it was a very challenging show as a children's show. Like, I remember the episode where they go to Picard, where Indy is hanging out with 12-year-old Norman Rockwell in Paris and tangling with Picasso and Degas. And uh, they follow Picasso back to, cause back to his uh, studio and they say, Oh, because they say, I don't think you can really paint because all of your paintings are these weird cubist things. And he says, I'll show you. Um, and his lady friend just takes off her clothes and poses nude. Um, and he paints a, a portrait, like a, a nude study uh, in the style of Degas to prove that, yeah, he can paint. Yeah. And I was watching it because they it's not censored like it's in an artistic context but you would never get away with that today not at all imagine the conservatives in america going going crazy about that in fox news yeah, yeah. exactly grooming children and, whatnot yeah and the uh the episode where he tangles with matahari the sex scenes are actually surprisingly explicit for a pg-rated show during the 90s um, goodness. Like, um, they're actually much more steamy than anything in the in the actual films, which are marketed to adults, which is weird. Well, there you um, go. Like, it, look, maybe the execution isn't always amazing, and the you know we, we've talked about some of the problems, but you can't fault it for not being a big swing with huge production mm. values, and yeah, you, know, you don't always see that these days, do you? No, it's particularly not in children's television. No, um, no. We, we said uh, that's a bit of a neglected aspect of what we said in our previous edutainment adventure, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in the uh, book, The Creative Impulse, George Lucas talks about these newfangled things called DVDs, and he says when the book was published in 1997 and he, he has these plans for... Um, when they become affordable for the home video market, he says, we're going to have interactive adventures um, where the movies would be turned into like multi-path adventures and you could go off on your own. So in the episode where Indy's in 1920s Chicago, you could learn about um, jazz. You could learn about... Um, go off on your own adventure and learn how to read music. Um, and God bless him for, for wanting to do that. I think he vastly overestimated what DVDs were going to be able to do. Either that or um, I think quite possibly um, uh, uh, the, the full potential of the DVDs were never exploited. Um, mm, true. Uh, do you remember the early days of DVDs? Like when they had these menus and um, I I remember with the first Harry Potter DVD, there's like a series of interactive games that you had to, had to, and puzzles that you had to do to unlock the deleted scenes. Oh yeah, I remember that. Uh, yeah. um, I kind of miss that, you know? That, that, that was a, a time where they were, you know, trying to push the format and the and the potential. And, yeah, it's, it seemed like everyone was 
more just happy to have something to watch the watch the movies on. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I just wanted a glorified VHS really. Yeah, but um, I, I guess at the same time, um the the video games market was sort of taking that on, I suppose, but yeah. Yeah. Well, in its very early days, in uh, Lucas actually conceptualized it as a PC game. Right. Um, okay. That cheaper, never probably. Event- yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we wouldn't have had this episode of this podcast, so you know. That's true. That is. It, it's it's um fairly jolly in that you're like, let's watch some episodes of this for the show and and Finiana Jones coming out, whatever. And then we get to the end, and like, do you, do you recommend it? Oh, I wouldn't recommend it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, <laughs> I I would recommend it. I would recommend it as a curiosity. Yes, with with um, all those caveats. And look, if you're a fan of this show, you probably are a fan of weird shit and pop culture aspects, which is what we're all about. So, yeah. absolutely. Uh, and I love it for all its faults. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Well, Julian. It's been a pleasure, as always. Um, anytime you have any impulse to do an episode of I Miss You Man, just let us know. We'll be there. Um, hey, cheers. that enters the brain that you want to talk about, just come in. We got you. <laughs> we could do one on DVD extra features. Uh. <laughs> good. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, as we've said up top, Julian is his own is a creative writer in his own right. Um, we'll, we'll link to his exploits his adventures his website in the show notes um but you can also catch some previous episodes where julian has come on board um it's always a special time with you julian and we, we do appreciate you you opening our eyes to this because this has been something i've always been interested in watching but didn't have the push and that's what you gave to us today oh well apologies for that and thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah dylan just very quickly are we on the on the website, some of the socials, are we anywhere else that you might want to find us? Mate, we're all over the shop. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We've got our own website. Every podcast app you can imagine, we're there and we're loving it. Absolutely. We've got a big back catalogue of episodes, special ones with guests. We've got the Christina Chronicles where we go through Christina Ritchie's filmography. Um, we're nearing our 100th episode of the main show. So, oh, wow. Look, the I Miss You Man journey. It's never going to end. We're never going to finish because of some sort of fight over jewels. We're going to die live on air on this podcast, aren't we, Dylan? Yeah, yeah, we'll coordinate it somehow. <laughs> well, I can't wait for that. Once again, Julian, thank you so much. Thank you, Dylan. Thank you, Mark, for the theme song. Until next time, I think we all miss you, Indiana Jones. Absolutely. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.